Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. For many people, you may have watched the um, documentary last night, Primetime Investigates. And I suppose at this stage now, the darkest hours of Irish history are being laid bare on television. And as well as the thousands of dubious and forced consent adoptions that we've heard about in relation to the report that came out uh, this year from mother and baby homes, Ireland, in Ireland's dark past, many children were also illegally adopted. And let's be very clear, by the way, since the 1800s, we have legislation in this country that says that all birth certificates must contain the facts of your birth and can't be changed or altered because it's a historical fact and that would be a criminal offence. That didn't stop, of course, St. Patrick's Guild and the private homes colluding together to do exactly that. And people who were, I suppose, wealthier could arrange to get a baby and not only have, uh, I suppose, you know, an adoption certificate for that baby and everything else, they would actually get their own names put on the birth certificate, i.e. that they were the birth mother and father to the behest of many of these children who are now adults who now don't know who they are anymore. And the report released only recently, as we all know, well, many people believe it was a joke uh, because it seemed to deny what all these people had been saying for years. But how whenever it did acknowledge some of it, it kind of literally skimmed over the fact that many of these adoptions, adoptions were illegal. And not just the ones that were illegal, of course, there was other ones as well where consent was given under duress. In 2018, following the transfer of adoption file from St. Patrick's Guild to Tusla, uh, the Child and Family Agency, the documentary evidence relating to at least 126 cases of illegal adoptions was overseen by the nuns and it was discovered. Those affected were informed. In a statement to RT Investigates, Tusla said that the historic and limited nature of the records in its possession meant that the accuracy was questionable, adding that it, uh, unintended, the unintended consequences of acting on such incomplete information could further be distressing and traumatic for the people affected. I think the people affected should be the ones to decide that, but however, uh, the situation in Ireland stands in stark contrast to many other countries, by the way, around Europe, where adoptees have had the right to access to their births records for decades. For example, in Scotland, laws guaranteeing the right uh, to have access to those documents have been in place as far back as the 1930s, but not here in Ireland. And Dr. Maeve O'Rourke, a human rights lawyer, told RT Investigates there is no justification for telling somebody uh, that they're adopted and then turning around and saying, well, I can't tell you exactly what the information is, but I can't actually tell you who you are either because she believes that GDPR is being used as a way for the state to avoid having to answer for the crimes that it was involved in and crimes they failed to stop. But I want to know, I mean, the government have said now, of course... You know, Minister for Children, Roderick O'Gorman, told RT Investigates the legislation to allow access to birth information, including birth certificates, will be prepared by the end of the month or by the end of March or early April. We've been hearing this for 10 years. Uh, Andy Kenny said the same thing. I remember Leo Varadkar saying the same thing. Uh, Michal Martin has said the same thing. And then we have a Minister for Children, Roderick O'Gorman, saying the same thing. The previous Minister for Children said the same thing. And it sat up on a dusty shelf for God knows how long because there was always this issue, this GDPR issue about... If you tell somebody that this is your real mother and father and they go knocking on their door and that person has moved on with their life, that that person will then intend to try to sue the state. So it's always this idea of whose rights are more important. Is it the child's rights to know where they came from and their identity? Or is it that person who may have willingly given a child up for adoption to stay anonymous? Whose rights are more important? So I'm asking you today, do you believe or should everybody be entitled to see all information held by all state agencies that relates to them? 
no matter how dubious that information might be. I'd like to hear from you today, by the way, if you were born in a mother and baby home, or maybe you had a baby in a mother and baby home, or maybe, indeed, you you believe you were part of this and you were in a legal adoption or your adoption was not consented. Let me know. Uh, 087-188-0008. I want to hear from adoptees. I want to hear from people who put children up for adoption in those dark times in Irish history. I want to hear from everybody today. Let me tell you, your, come on the air and tell your story. I'd love to hear it. Because as you know, I'm in exactly the same situation. I was born in St. Patrick's Home on the Navan Road in 1963, so I can relate to your story. The number is 087-188-0008. You can text WhatsApp and uh, they will give you a quick ring back and we'll get you on the air. Let me, first of all, if I can, sorry for keeping you waiting. Susan Lowen, who's the co-founder of Adoption Rights Alliance. Susan, um, the, the documentary last night, it was quite disturbing to watch this and watch yeah. these people who are now elderly people, um, yeah. not knowing who they are, what their identity is, and all their lives not even knowing that their real mother and father wasn't actually their real mother and father. Yeah. Um, I would say, though, I I actually know quite a few of the people who were on the programme last night. And without exception, they've all said at various points over the years that it is not... It is not just the knowledge of knowing that they're not the, the natural children of their parents. It is how they have been treated ever since by mm. various state agencies. Yep. And I'm just struck at the hypocrisy of Micheál Martin yesterday in Leinster House saying that you know he recognises the, the trauma, anguish and hurt that these people are experiencing as a result of these past practices. That is quite wrong. Because to say that is excluding the trauma and hurt and anguish that the likes of Pusla are inflicting on these people. As you say, many of them are now in their late 50s, early 60s, early 70s. Um, They are not dangerous agents as previous ministers for children have wanted to um, portray us as. You know, starting with Mary Hannafin in 2001, who ironically... Uh, her boss was Micheál Martin then at the Department of Health, and she wanted, she attempted to bring in a bill that would imprison adopted people for the crime of contacting their natural parents without their express prior permission. So this is that. So that happened in two thousand and one. But that has been happening all along, Susan. In my own story, for example, and mine wasn't yeah. an illegal adoption, but I don't know what sort of an adoption it was. Yeah. But in saying that. I remember, you know, contacting, um, at the time it would have been St. Louise's Adoption Society, yeah. going back 25, 30 years ago when I found out I was adopted. And there was this whole secrecy. Well, th- you knew talking to them on the phone, they had the files in front of them. That's right. And I, I'm, and she's gone, well, I, I could tell you her name was Mary, let's say. I'm not going to give yeah, her name. Yeah, you were end. lucky that you got that. I, and then, that was all the information I was given. And I had to go then into the Register of Births Office, start searching, where's a Mary that had a Nile? Where's a Mary? And yeah. then, I remember back in 2000. Fifteen, I got a phone call, a random phone call from Tusla, yeah. saying, you know, I believe you met your birth mother. How did that go? How did you feel? Oh, by the way, did you know you had a sister? So here, oh, here I am, 54 oh years of age, being told I had a sister. And I said, what's her name? And she said, oh, I can't tell you that. I know, I know. Uh, and exactly. I go, well, why did you bother yeah. telling me at all? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, adopted people, you know, which might come as a shock to, you know, members of government and the Department of Children, etc. We have the same rights to access our personal information as every other citizen. And the likes of Maeve O'Rourke, Mairead Enright, um, Simon McGar, Fred Logue, all of these people who are experts on data access and data rights. You know, where we're all blue in the face telling people telling government that the advice they've been given either by the AG or by um, 
I don't know what you would call them, but the public servants within their departments, their advice is simply wrong. It is shocking that I, and I got my birth cert for the first time four years ago, but that I can ring up, you know, whatever it is they give out the birth certs here in Dublin. Um, the general registrar's office. Yeah, and, and the, the guy or the girl, you know, with the computer in front of them can see all your information, yes. but, is not, but is not allowed to send it to you. Now, I did get it by mistake, by the way, because it was a beginner there one day. So I, for right. the first time ever, I got my, my actual birth certificate. But we've, there's been laws, I mentioned there, in Scotland since 1930. Yeah. There's been legislation there to make sure to guarantee the right of a person to know where they came from and to access birth records yeah. for decades. We don't have those rights. And it all centres around this idea that maybe a woman put a child up for adoption many, many years ago, moved on with her life, got married, had kids, and has put that part of her life behind her and doesn't want, you know, Niall Boyd yeah. and knocking on their door. Well, no, you, you mustn't use that expression because that's the kind of urban myth that uh, government ministers like to like to put out there. The the Our rights to our personal information and something as... Uh, inherently important as our identities, um, our cultural background, even our ethnicities in some cases. That is completely separate to the right to have a relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. Once, we, once we know who our parents are, and I mean, this would happen with, with people who have not been caught up in Ireland's adoption industry. Look at maybe those, those children who are those adults who as children maybe their mother or their father left the home and had nothing else nothing to do with them for the rest of their lives i mean though their names are not scrubbed from their birth certs as a result of that abandonment in our cases um i would argue that the vast majority of our adoptions were forced that there were there's almost Coerced, no evidence yes. that any any adoption in this country was was done freely with informed consent, and so to actually go to go on and punish us further now, it's it's in the realms of victim shaming, frankly. But I mean, so, when, when you look at these adoptions, many women did it for economic necessity because they couldn't yeah. afford to raise a child, which goes against the constitution. By the way, the constitution yes. clearly sets out, particularly for women, and I know they're changing that in the next two years. At the time, for women not to need to have to go to work to provide for their child, so yeah. that's in the that's enshrined in the constitution. So we, so the Catholic Church and the state denied the these people their constitutional right to raise their own children. Yep. and that is a whole issue in itself. But the problem now is this has dragged on so long that many of these women, almost all of them, are going to be dead by the time this information yeah. comes out. And, and, and you can guess what I'm going to say. And, of course, that is their unstated intention in government service. Do you believe that's strategic? Oh, absolutely, because the fewer numbers of mothers and children who get together to compare notes, the better it suits the government. I, I attended every day that Tressa Reeves and Andre Reeves brought their case against St. Patrick's Guild and the state for... for Andre's illegal adoption back in the 1960. And the government uh, had their barrister there, St. Patrick's Guild had their barrister there, and they subjected the 79-year-old Tressa Reeves to the most rigorous cross-examination. Well, they actually had her reading mindlessly the, the detailed statements she had given to her own legal team. They had no rebuttal arguments. They couldn't defend the situation, but they were prepared to waste taxpayer funds and to wear down a 79-year-old woman on the witness box because they couldn't defend the fact that they had overseen and facilitated Andre's illegal adoption. 
St. Patrick's Guild now are filing for bankruptcy, but actually what I believe they have done is that the Religious Sisters of Charity have put their financial resources beyond the reach of the state and of victims, so there'd be no point in suing them. I mean, that was quite shocking, and for people who didn't see the documentary that, to last night, to, to, to listen to, the, I suppose, the voiceovers doing yeah. the, the letters back and forward to Susan yeah. Kiernan's uh, pe- yeah. mother at the time, demanding £85, yeah. which £85 in today's money is over three grand, and she and ringing her place of work at Arnott's, yeah. demanding yeah, this £85, knowing and, and saying that they would send the friend. They referred to the child as the as friend. As the friend, yeah. And, and this was... Uh, I actually have direct experience of that as well because my mother was tapped for money from me up to three months after I had already been placed with my adoptive parents. She had no idea, of course. Mm -hmm. And she was, you know, earning a very low salary at the time and would have really struggled to have paid that money. So the nuns extorted money from the most vulnerable women, women who might have been desperate to save up and, you know, put down a deposit somewhere so they could actually bring up their children. So the nuns were part of the system to prevent that from happening. I mean, these these politicians, I mean, Michal Martin and everybody else, as human beings, how can they not watch that and see the shame in the way we treated women in particular in those days? Now, don't get me wrong, there were many men involved in these situations because, of course, there was fathers to these babies. Some of the men, of course, were told to get offside or go away or whatever because it was shameful for a woman to get pregnant outside of wedlock. But, you know, how can they look at that and hold their heads up and stand there and say, ah, yeah, it's coming soon, the legislation is coming soon, and just keep kicking it down the road. That that file was sitting on the previous Minister for Children's desk for three years. Uh, And before that, for another three years. And then Kenny talked about it going back a long time ago as well. Mm -hmm. And it's constantly being kicked down the road. Here we have the report out, a promise again for March, April. When will it be before President Higgins gets to put a signature on it? I don't know. These women will be dead. Yeah, And, and, and honestly, I would probably cut off my right arm to, you know, I would stand over that. That is their unstated intention. And and I think there's a whole new, thank goodness, there's a whole new generation of politicians now coming through Leinster House. And I have to say, I was absolutely touched by the sincerity of the outrage, of the, the empathy that, and in fact, it seemed to be mainly women uh, TDs, um, the, the few days after the, the re- Commission of Investigations report into the mother and baby homes came out. Mm-hmm. And I, I it, actually, it Anne Rabbit spoke very well on the day, to be honest, which I, I, I listened to Anne Rabbit when she talked on the day when, the, when, mm. the, the, when it was released, and I thought she talked very well. I would disagree with you there, I okay. have to say, because right. she is part of the Fianna Fáil machine, um, who, and, and she, she has uh, offered, certainly, Adoption Rights Alliance no no encouragement or succor when we have approached her about um, putting pressure on government regarding this legislation, and that's even when she... Was OK, well then, who, who do you believe in government has done the best work, do you believe? Uh, Roderick O'Gorman seems to be failing quite miserably over the last... Yeah. Well, he's been certainly uh, criticised about how he's dealing with this. Is there anybody you believe in government currently at the moment is doing a good, a good job? On this subject, absolutely not. What about um, Sinn Féin TD Kathleen Function? Is she, I mean, oh, gosh, in government. Oh, in opposition. Yes. In opposition. Doubt. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. in, in opposition. We've got Kathleen Function. We've got Mary Lou MacDonald. We've got Holly Kearns. We've got Jennifer Whitmore. We've got Breach Smith. We've got Richard Boyd Barrett. Uh, we've got Paul Murphy. You know, I've received a slew of really encouraging emails from 
of course, Catherine Connolly, my God, she's been an absolute star in all of this. And, and they have taken the time to send Adoption Rights Alliance emails encouraging us to keep on going, um, saying that they will do anything they can, whether it's raising parliamentary questions, um, you know, just talking, maybe trying to have off-grid meetings with, with certain government ministers. Um, but Susan, and, and it is about money, have, isn't it? It, it, of it is it because is. because as soon as they, you know, as soon as this this is completed and as soon as this legislation goes through and yeah. people get their information, the next step then is going to be redressed. The next step then, of course, is people who could possibly try to sue the state or whatever. So it's all, it is all about money. It, yeah. it, the government are terrified that people are going to sue them, yeah. and that, they're also terrified as well that if somebody put somebody up for adoption, and this was mentioned to me by a solicitor already. And I don't want to talk about the knocking on the door case. I know that seems very stereotypical and I'm sure that's not going to happen. People will do that, I hope, in a more responsible manner if they did want to try and form some sort of relationship with an adoptive parent. But it is that that parent may not want to go through that and could also equally say, well, I gave up my child for adoption consensually and, um, you know, the state has now failed me by giving out my information. No, because um, a birth cert is a public record. Uh, no parent in the country has ever been given the right to erase their name from their child's birth cert. And that's not in the 1952 Act. It's not even hinted at in the 1952 Act. Um, And people have a right, even even if you cared not a jot about the emotional toll not knowing who you are has on people, you should at least care a jot about preventing people from marrying their siblings or their cousins Absolutely. unwittingly. And yep. we, we heard evidence of that last night. That well, I, I can give you evidence that. I hung around with my own sister and I didn't even know it. My word, my well, she God. lived. She was adopted by a family who lived about two kilometres away from I did. We had mutual friends. We hung around yeah. in the same groups. And she was only a year younger than me. I could have ended up dating her. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even from that practical standpoint, we should be paying a great deal of attention to this. And the numbers involved, the St. Patrick's Guild numbers, they're the tip of the iceberg. Mm. Um, I agree, RTE, uh, you know, used a figure of 10,000 last night. And that's a figure that certainly at Adoption Rights Alliance, we have uh, been working on for the last two decades. Because there was only one reference to the Rotunda Girls Aid Society last night, um, an agency set up by the Pro-Cathedral. Uh, they're literally on Cathedral Street, right across from the Pro-Cathedral. Uh, they were, you know, like so many other agencies, they had on their letterhead, you know, working under the auspices of his great, the Archbishop of Dublin. So the RGAS needs to be thoroughly investigated because they they have a, a legacy of um, dealing with illegal adoptions. In fact, it would be their cases that I would have originally flagged to both Mary Hannafin, Brian Lenehan, and to the Adoption Board, as they were then called, and that was back in the early how many How many adoption societies were there? You had St. Patrick's Guild, you had St. Louise's. How many were there around the country at that stage? Oh, my gosh, there were about, I'd say, 15 to 20, because you had the Sacred Heart Agency down in Cork. Um, well, they represented uh, Sean Ross Abbey, Bethburn, Castle Pollard. You had St. Anne's in Cork. You had St. Nicholas's in uh, Galway. Uh, you had St. Murrah's up in Donegal. Um, you had St. Clare's up in Stamullen. Mm. Uh, I know I'm probably leaving off some really obvious ones here, but I think it's in the order of 15 to 20. And 
of St. Bridget's at the Coombe, of course, wherever there was a maternity hospital, there was an, an adoption, adoption agency. agency. Oh, which was then, all, by the way, facilitated by the Catholic Church. Yeah, well, with the exception of, say, Hollis Street, um, the HSE or the health board would have been the, the agency involved in Hollis Street. And by the way, is there a suggestion that illegal adoptions were happening in other societies apart from St. Oh, Patrick's Guild? Because, and by the way, for, pe- for listeners who don't understand the difference between a coerced adoption, which was somebody who was kind of forced sign there and give your baby away in a mother and baby home, yeah. these were private, I suppose, care homes or private, where you, women went in, had the baby, they paid these uh, private organisations to allow them to stay there to have their baby. Then a family would come on, I'm assuming who were wealthy yeah. in the circumstances of the time back in the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. And they would pay money to take that baby and not only get an adoption certificate, but they wouldn't get an adoption. They'd get an actual birth certificate, yeah. which had been illegally altered with their names yeah. on it. And what happened, uh, we saw in most of the cases last night, the, the births of those people were not registered. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you saw a small piece that Anne O'Connor did on uh, Monday on RTE. Anne was also legally adopted. She discovered age 56 that she'd been illegally adopted. She also happens to be my oldest friend. But she was very lucky. The midwife at the private nursing home where she was born actually registered her birth. Right. And sometime after, St. Patrick's Guild became involved. Well, it was actually a matter of days. And, and you know, they obviously had been planning this. They had a client and parent, parents who wanted to um, adopt a child, but not to go through the legal process. And how much, how much were these, on average, do you know how much these parents, uh, and by the way, I'm not having a go with these parents, because many of you listening today may have parents like this, okay? Yeah. How much do they pay or donate, on average, to get a baby? I think it varies from individual to individual. Uh, I think uh, certainly when it came to the American adopters, we're looking at sums that even in the 1950s and 60s were in the thousands of pounds mm. because they had far more disposable income than we did. Um, I've heard over the last few days, I've heard sums of, you know, in the hundreds, approaching a thousand mm. uh, being bandied about. But that, you know, it's going to be very difficult to substantiate that because these were all given as donations. And do you think, for example, that St. Patrick's Home on the Navan Road, where I was born, I asked them after that phone call to give me any information they had on me, right? And this yeah. is going back about five, six years ago. And all I got was four little pieces of card. Oh, um, and one had the fact that I was illegitimate on it and something else about me being in St. Kevin's Hospital because I was sick for eight months or something like that. Right. Yeah, but do you think they have a file with all the letters to and fro and from my parents and everything? And, and if they have that file, absolutely, I should be entitled to it. But how do people go about getting that file? At the moment, that's, you're not going to get it because half that's got, most of it's going to be blanked out and redacted, isn't yeah. it? Well, Kusla have all of your files, all of your information, Niall. So anything relating to your identity, your early care, uh, your medical records. And actually, there was a shadow set of records relating to St. Patrick's, which um, uh, were held by an, a nun who sadly now, is, she died about two years ago, Sister Maeve. Um, and she kept a shadow set of records because she had no faith in Tusla's ability to um, to give information correctly, appropriately, efficiently to people who were who were looking for it. So, um, if people want to go onto our website, that's adoption.ie, uh, or if they want to go onto the Clon website, which is clonproject.org, 
they will find detailed instructions on how to submit what's known as a subject access request um, to the various bodies that might hold information on you, be that TUSLA, uh, be that uh, a government department or in the, a, a health board, for example, as we saw with um, mm-hmm. Dolores Quinlan last night. The health board knew all along that she had been illegally adopted and they did nothing. Um, so there, there's a protocol you have to follow. It means you have to send in a specially worded letter but we offer guidance on how best to phrase those letters. Okay, so there's a template, so to speak. Yes, yeah. indeed, yeah. All right, well, look, I really appreciate you coming on the air today. It's another sad day and a dark day in Irish history mm. when we look back and reflect on the way we treated particularly women uh, going back over the last mm. 100 years in this country, and particularly those who are having children. And all, the, by the way, the thousands and thousands of people who are listening today who may have been adopted, may have been illegally adopted, may have been adopted without consent, so to speak, or, yeah. or all those women were coerced into putting their babies up for adoption because they had no money. That was yeah. just the bottom line. They had no money and the yeah. state wasn't willing to provide for them as they do nowadays. Um, so listen, thank you very much indeed, Susan. If people You're want to get more information, they can go to adoption.ie and you can get those templates if you want to try to apply for information and hopefully that information and that legislation will come soon rather than later, uh, yeah. Susan. Thank you very Thanks much indeed. All right, uh, shocking, shocking story. Maybe you've been in that situation. Maybe you're a mother put a child up for adoption maybe you're a child who've been adopted maybe you believe you were illegally adopted because your birth parents or should I say your adoptive parents names are actually on your birth cert and by the way if that is the case that is illegal it has always been a crime and here's the other question should those who who were responsible for doing that pulling other people's names on your birth cert who weren't actually your mother and father it's always been illegal There's never been any provision in law to allow that to happen. There's never been any provision in law to deny you that information. So anybody who's been denied that information for God knows how many years, a law has been broken. Should people go to jail for it? Let me know what you think. The number is 087-188-008. Do you believe everybody who was adopted in this country, uh, through mother and baby homes in particular, do you believe they're entitled to their information? Yes, you do, or no, you don't. Let me just go to Carmel if I can. Carmel, you're on Classic Kids. How are you, Carmel? Hi, Carmel. Uh, sorry. Hi, Don. I was Hi. on to you before. Carmel, did you watch last night's documentary? I didn't get to see it. Would you believe I did not get to see it? Yeah, well, it was quite harrowing to watch these, in particular the people who, I suppose, they were illegal adoptions, i.e. their new parents or their adoptive parents' names were illegally put down as their birth parents on their birth certificates, and these people didn't even know that. It was quite shocking to watch. But you were born in a mother and baby home. Um, I was born, yes, yeah. Okay, and did did you ever try to kind of reach out to get your information, or? I went back to St. Teresa's nursing home in Randa. Yeah. And an old lady answered the door, and I said, I was born here, and she just said, all the files have been destroyed. That just like that? Slammed, just like that, and she slammed the door in my face. Oh, no. Yeah. How long, ago, how long was. ago was that? That was about 20 years ago. And where are they? They're not still there, obviously. Now they're gone, I'm assuming. Are they they still there? Is that particular home still there now? I do not know. That I do not know. I I, I don't think so. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I doubt it very much. Yeah, St. Teresa's nursing home in Randa. And and yeah. you went in and you asked, you basically knocked the door and asked, is there any possibility? I didn't get in. Well, no, didn't. you didn't get in. But you no, asked, is there any no. possibility of getting information? And she just said, sorry. No, all and the files have been destroyed. That's shocking. So you were left in a situation where you know nothing. 
I have all I have got is well apparently my parents were married. Okay. On my birth cert. I went to the birth cert place there. And I know I can't say the the surname of my parents, but my my mother's name was Cecilia and my father was supposedly meant to be James. And that's all you know about them, really. That's the, well, I think you have a second name. I'd rather you didn't give it out in the air, obviously, for the moment. Uh, sure. until, until we all clarify in the next few weeks who's right and more important. I had to get married onto that name. So, and when you went to get married, by the way, um, yourself, or you went to apply for a passport or whatever it happened to be, and the passport office, or the when you go to get married, you have to register your marriage, etc. They say to you, "Can we have your birth certificate, please?" That's right. Okay, th- that's an embarrassing situation because I know I've been, I'm in that situation all the time, and I, or I was. I have I my understand birth, me, I ha- yeah, yeah, I, and I have my birth certificate now. Thankfully, after fifty years, but what 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 do you what do you do? You you supply them just with the baptismal cert. Is that all you have? My baptismal cert and my. Adoption birth cert, yeah. Which is a, the short form birth cert that says adoption birth certificate. Yes. Okay, so you don't have your original birth certificate? No. And have you tried to... I did, to, not, believe, have I you did tr- not believe it's my, you know. And have you tried to get your original birth certificate? Have you requested it, tried to get it? The one I requested is the one that I have. Okay. But the original no. one, this is the original long-form birth certificate that would have your real mother and father's name on it and all that kind of stuff on it. You can't get that. I cannot get that. And that's basic information. It's your right to have that, I believe, and you should be entitled Absolutely. to Absolutely. And any other information regarding your adoption or the time you spent in Renla or the time that you spent, you know, there was a kind of limbo period, I'm assuming, you know, before you were adopted. You know, you should be entitled to all that information. And the same for medical for medical reasons. You know, I mean, you go into sure. a doctor, say, with a complaint, and the doctor says, you know, to you, do you know, hered- you know if there's any hereditary complaints in the Absolutely. family? You have no idea. That's it. No, I do not. And does it, do you, no, I don't. Do you think about it much, Carmen? How, can I ask you, by the way, how old you are? Yeah. Is it insult to ask how old you are now? No, I'm 60 now. Okay, and does, do you think about it much? I do. It dwells with me all the time. I feel there's a void in my life. Of not I just knowing. want to know why. Not knowing. Not knowing who you are, where you came from. Yes, absolutely. My allergies, everything. Yeah. And why? You know why? And why do, you, why do you think, from, from what you gathered, I suppose, from watching documentaries and listening to other people's recollection of what happened at the time, I'm assuming in most cases it was probably about finances. They just didn't have the money, I suppose, and went to these places and were hoodwinked by these places into the easy way out was to to you know put your child up for an adoption well probably mm-hmm. it is a probability yes indeed mm-hmm. yeah but also when i i got married and i had a child now this i want to let you know mm-hmm. it's imperative i tell you this i could possibly have a sister and the reason i'm telling you this is because my son was born and he seemed perfect at birth but he seemed he was he was diagnosed then with cerebral palsy. Okay. And he attended the CRC, but then it, it manifested that he had Lesh nine syndrome. Okay. And that, what that, um, it's lip biting. Okay, so that's no, ge- and I'm assuming that's genetic. Then is is, is this? It's gen- genetic. Okay. It is genetic, Nile. And what I'm saying to you is, it is genetic. 
And if I had a girl, she would be perfect. Yeah. But if I had a boy, he would have Leshnoid syndrome. So there could be a sister out there belonging to me that she has a child like that. I do not know. Because because it being genetic and, and possibly running through the, the females of the family. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's so, why all this is so important, not just about the genetics of it and medical problems. It's also, you know, you could have met your own brother. I know you didn't. But you could have married your own brother. And and this these are the problems when we don't have information. Yes. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's shocking. It's shocking. Well, I mean, you, so I don't know. I don't know whether you listened to Susan just before you were on. And she told. I did indeed. Yeah. I did. Have you have you tried contacting Tusla yourself and said? I haven't. No, no, I have not. I think you should, Carmel. Because yeah. I would like to think that you would get that information. I mean, like me, I'm 57. We're, you know, we're, we're not young. We're not spring chickens anymore. And I think you, it would be nice for you to get that information and to, yeah. to settle that in your mind once and for all and find out the information or any bits of the, the kind of missing bits of the jigsaw, so to speak. Absolutely, Neil. Uh, thank you so much for all that. Well, adoption, go to adoption.ie and, and I know Susan was talking about it before the break and there's a there's advice there on how to word the letter that you sent to Tusla in relation to getting in for information and they do have an obligation and, and more so hopefully in the coming uh, two months when they pass this legislation, hopefully, uh, to give you any information that they hold on you. And I, I imagine that any information, I mean, your birth has to have been registered. Even though they're telling yeah. you information was destroyed, information should have been passed from that care home in Renault that you talked about to the, well, it wouldn't have been the HSE at the time, but certainly it would have been to the health authorities. It would have yeah. had to have been passed over and any other information relevant to it. Thank you, Niall, for so much. All right, listen, Carmel, lovely talking to you, and you have a nice day. Okay, all right. then. Thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. see you. Bye. Kevin, stay with me. I'm going to be with you straight after the break, all right, because I do want to hear people's stories, and I don't want to be cutting anybody too short, okay? Uh, keep texting. The number is 87 188 Kevin, you're on Classic Kids. How are you, Kevin? How are you, Niall? Good, um, good. Did you watch the documentary last night? Well, one of I many didn't... documentaries recently, I suppose. No, I didn't, unfortunately. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. see it now. I'll... I'll... Uh, I have to say, I know we, I know we give out a bit of RTE a lot. I know we give out a bit of RTE. But I will say the Primetime Investigates program does some excellent work at exposing a lot of this kind of stuff. So I, I will give them credit and kudos for that as well. But it, it was a, a very enlightening documentary for many people to see this information that people, not only did we have the coerced adoptions, which I'm going to talk to you about in a second, but people who literally had their adoptive parents' names illegally put onto their birth certs. It was quite shocking. But what was Sean, or I should say, Kevin, you were born in Sean yeah. Ross Abbey. As far as I know, yeah, and I was adopted at about three months old, and my mother, the birth mother changed her mind, but uh, there was no, go- no going, going back. back. Yeah. Um, and what, I, yeah, what, what year was that, by the way? 67. 67, four years after me, all right. Yeah, um, and my, I have a birthmark on my left thigh, I was St. Ashling, and my grandfather insisted that, that I wear long shorts in the summer, in case my mother saw me, wants me back. Oh, in case she recognised your birth, your birthmark. Yeah, yeah. Right, right uh, okay. I, I did go to some Catholic-funded place, um, there about 2012, uh, gave a donation, and they traced her mother and just scanned information. Uh, she was from Cong and Mayo, and moved to England, married, had more kids, and died in 96. She was deceased already, but no real medical history or anything. Right, okay. And and is that what you're looking to try and find out? Basically, you want... Have you ever gone to Tusla and asked them what information no. they have on you? No. 
Well, I, I think I that's what I recommend yeah. everybody should do now at this stage because Tusla have all the information from all these adoption societies um, and from the mother of baby homes was all passed over to Tusla uh, about, four or five, well, about five years ago now. Um, now, the problem is after it was passed over, we brought in GDPR legislation, sadly. Yeah. So what happened is when people went looking for information, uh, most of the information was blacked out. So you got pages of blacked out stuff. I don't know, I'm sure you've seen that on documents. Yeah. Uh, it's all redacted. In other words, because it contains personal information under GDPR, they can't give it out, which is complete and utter nonsense, by the way, because it's your information. You're entitled to it. Uh, and this is what we need to sort out in this legislation in the next two months, that people like you should be able to get every scrap of information uh, about your birth. Uh, does it, uh, Kevin, do you think it's had any effect on your life in, in the respect Not of... Not really. No. Maybe because of the type of person I am or mm. not, you know, but... Uh, yeah. Health-wise, I'm as healthy as a horse. And I have oh, two okay. kids, Good boys, man. and they're healthy. So there's nothing genetic, I don't think. But mm. if there was, you'd want to know, wouldn't you? Yeah, and in relation to the information that you found out and, and from what you believe that your mother was coerced into giving consent for the adoption, yeah. what gives you that impression? Was she a woman of limited means? or No, I got a photo uh, of her with the family. And in the photo, they, they, they look to be fairly affluent by the... Uh, okay, furniture in the photo on that. What you were saying about um, you could end up dating a related, close relative or sister or something. The girl, my mother, I dated a girl, and when I got the photo of my mother, she was the absolute image of the oh, no. girl I dated. But I'd known the girl's mother and father. Like, so, so there was it a possibility. Yeah, there's a possibility yeah, like people could end up dating their own sister. Absolutely, yeah. Population, you know? Yeah, well, particularly, I suppose, living in, I suppose, rural Ireland as well, you know, or if you're living in a smaller county where there would be less of a population, there's more chance of that happening. Obviously, in a bigger city, there's less chance of that happening. But in a smaller population, there's, all, there's every possibility of that happening because they would be in and around the same age. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it is more of a possibility. Listen, Kevin, thank you for sharing the story with us. Thanks and, and, and if you do want the information, I, I would suggest you go to the adoption.ie website there. They give you all the information you need all in right. relation to applying to Tusla for, for any information they have on you. Uh, thanks, Kevin. And I hope I, there's a lot of people listening today, by the way, in this very similar situation. Kira, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Kira? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, your mother was born, or I should say, uh, your mother was born uh, in a mother and baby home. Yeah, she was. She and was. you watched the documentary last night, and obviously that brought a lot of it back to you, thinking about that. And and, the, and is your is your mum still with us? Yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched it with my mum last okay. night. And, and how was she you know, about it? Um, yeah, like it's obviously all very upsetting. Yeah. You know, everything, it's kind of just bringing everything back. And then people then are asking questions that I suppose maybe she mightn't have asked herself. And okay. now she's wondering all of these things. And has she ever tried to look into her background to find a bit about a past or anything like that, has she? Um, she did. She tried to look into it um, about maybe 30 years ago, just before I was born. Okay. And she actually was lucky, probably one of the lucky ones. She was able to to meet her birth mother or to okay. get in contact. But again, that information wasn't, she had to ask. It was, yeah, it's given in bits and pieces, yes. She contacted yeah. her and asked, you know, there was no kind of direct contact. Yeah. And does she know the circumstances around her birth and why she ended up being born in a mother and baby home and all that? She no, she doesn't. She doesn't know that information. Okay. okay. Um, and I suppose from your point of view, Kira, too, it's known who your grandparents are and known who, oh, what, yeah, what your history is. And, yeah, you know absolutely. That. And like even like my brother said, you know, he was in hospital recently and they said to him, you know, is, is there any um, 
family kind of history of anything family history, history of anything yeah. like that and you know he just said well no but then when he came home he had to kind of say well actually I, I don't know if there is or not yeah that was always my answer when they used to say that to me yeah. when I brought my kids into hospital or anything is there any family history and I said oh no, your guess is as good as mine so yeah. I, I don't know because I'm in that same situation as your mom that I wouldn't have known that kind of information I think it's important that we have that information yeah but do you believe that every person who's been adopted be it illegal adoptions, coerced adoptions or willing adoptions in some cases. Do you believe all those children um, should, or indeed mothers, if they're reaching out looking for the children they put up for adoption maybe 20 years ago, do you believe they should all be entitled to the information on their lives if they if they go to Tusla? Should they all that information be given to them? Yeah, it's hard to know. Like uh, Personally, I think yes, they should. But I do understand if, you know, mothers um, voluntarily gave up their their babies and they didn't want to be contacted. I understand the, the, the two sides of the coin, but mm-hmm. I would be in favour of that everyone should know. Yeah. See, the, the bottom line, as Susan pointed out, is we should never have allowed that in the first place. So in other words, yeah. there was never any laws there or suggesting that people couldn't be able to find out this information. Yeah, and I suppose that was like the question that I had, you know, at, last night after watching the programme. There was a good few people on who said that, you know, they went through their whole life not knowing that they were adopted. Um, that's shocking. And that was my question. And yeah. I you know, it was shocking that they didn't know. But, it, like, my question then was, is there any responsibility on the adoptive parents? You know, they raised this child for however many years mm-hmm. and, you know, um, led them to believe that they were their own child. See, here's the thing, when, and, I, and, I, and I understand what you're saying, but from an adoptive parent's point of view, for some of them, not all of them, mm-hmm. uh, I can imagine there was an element of guilt that if I tell, you know, Kira or Niall or whatever that they're absolutely. adoptive will they love me less you know what I mean I know I, and that was always their fear That's. I think that was my because I remember my, my dad told me I was adopted it was New Year's Eve I was 14 years of age and I remember my mm. mum and dad I was in bed and my mum and dad were having an argument and I could hear my mum crying downstairs and my father called me down the stairs and she was saying no don't tell him blah 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 and he told me he just wanted to let you know that you're adopted and yeah. and and that was it. And then it was kind of right. Go on back to bed again. And yeah. and I know that my mother didn't want to tell me at the time. Yeah. So and, and I and yeah. that's totally understandable. Yeah. Because I think it broke but her heart. You know what I mean to tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. But these adoptive parents, like um, the previous callers who have been online, they said that there was never. It was never in the law. Like let's say that they were allowed to put their names on the birth no, certs. That was always illegal. So, People should you know, go to jail they, for that, by the way. That's a criminal offence. They were, and they went along with that. They knew that that was illegal. Well, the state knows uh, that's illegal. And the state knows that a lot of the adoptions that were happened to mothers in baby homes are happened because these women were coerced. And not only mm. were they coerced, the women who did it willingly in some cases did it because they had no money. So they, yeah. didn't, they didn't have the money. Like my birth mother probably didn't have the money to raise me. But yep. again, that was illegal because the Constitution protected all those women and should have protected those women to help them raise their children. It was always it was in the Constitution since back in the 1930s. So yep. there's it shouldn't every every bit of it is fraudulent. Every every bit of it, you know, and yeah. it's yeah shocking. And and this is the state's problem now that if they allow the people this information now, the state are looking at people suing them and all that. But the problem is, as Louis, Susan rightly pointed out, the state are trying to delay this and delay this for years and years in the hope that many people like your mom and like me and like it will be just gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was the thing. Like only recently, when it came up, like over the last few months, you know, I had kind of encouraged my mother to maybe you know reach out. And she was like, you know, well, like that—that that woman's going to be dead, you know. Yeah. She like, yeah. Um. So like, if she had, 
maybe known or if other people had known years and years previous, there would be a higher chance. But as time goes on, there's more and more chance of birth parents having passed away. Yeah, and as time goes and, on, we're getting you know, closer to the point where the children will be gone as well. Yeah, and, the, and then the contact is completely severed. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. And it'll, it'll suit the government for us to forget the past. Listen, yeah. uh, uh, we should be learning from the past. Listen, Kira, thank you very much indeed. And we should no man well, okay, for, for me, me. all right? Okay, bye-bye. Okay, thanks very much indeed. A lot of people shocked. A lot more calls than I want to get through. So many stories and so many people texting in about last night's documentary on RT and many other Primetime Investigates documentaries. Various, they've done a very good job of outlining what happened in our dark history in Ireland. And for those who were involved in it, those individuals, many of them still alive, by the way, today, who might have worked for the state as civil servants or indeed worked for any of the religious organisations, you should hang your heads in shame. What you did was illegal. And there was no point in history where this was legal. There was no point in history where you were allowed to alter the words and the names on a birth certificate. There was no point in history where you should have been denying people access until GDPR came along in 2017. There was no point where you should have been denying people access to their own information. But you did. And you all should hang your heads in shame. And hopefully the government will sort this out in the, in the coming months. Although I wouldn't hold my breath for that. Uh, a lot of people are texting in. Uh, the number is 087 I'd love to hear your story. And here, maybe you got some good news in the end. Mary, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Mary? Hi, yeah. Uh, you were born in Ross Cray in 1962, so you're a year, a year, a year older than me. Oh, it's not great. Uh, yeah, you? I, I was I was 63 oh. in, in St Patrick's home. Okay, oh. and and uh, what can, do you know much about the the, the what happened yeah. at your birth or what happened at the time? I do now. Okay, I do now. Okay, and because I went to Tuesla. Yeah. Now, what bothers me the most about it, right was the way I found out. How did you find out? Right. I was making my first communion and the nun, the teacher, the nun, the lovely nun, right? She um, slammed my so-called birth cert on the table and said, you were one of the unwanted. And the whole class knew and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Okay. So this, you know, because, you, because this, your birth cert was an adoption cert? Yeah. Yeah. Because you didn't have a birth cert, like, and I no, I didn't. And I, uh, I remember that Mary at the time. I remember going home from school, all excited for my confirmation or communion well, or whatever. No, it was horrible. Yeah, and you'd you'd say to your mum, "I'll oh, bring me birth cert in tomorrow or whatever." And yeah. my mum and I'd say, "Oh, don't worry, I look after that. I look after that." And yeah, I, and it was your adoption cert. It wasn't because yeah, you couldn't yeah. get a birth cert. No. Yeah. Well, can I? Can I get a birth cert? Well, because do you know, I can't tell you this much. See that adoption cert? You go to the say, for example, you have to go social welfare. Yeah. They're saying, where's your birth cert? Yeah. And I'm going, that's all I have. That's me. It's embarrassing, isn't it? It, it is very embarrassing, yeah. Well, and what, what I, I did, I, I'm going to give you a tip, right? And here's what I yeah. did. Do you, do you know your mother's first name? Yeah. Okay, her birth, your birth mother. And my birth mother, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I or did was, I went online. Um, mm-hmm. You know where you can apply for your birth certificate online? I put okay. in my details, and what they'll do is they'll send you out an adoption cert. And right. then you ring them back up and say, I didn't right. order an adoption cert, I ordered a birth certificate. Okay, and, yeah. and they'll say, oh yeah, and this is what they did for me. And they went, oh yeah, okay, so what was the name again? And I gave them my real mother's name. Mm-hmm. And they went, oh yeah, I see that here. Yeah, that'll be sent out to you. And they just sent it out by mistake to me. <laughs> and that's how I ended up getting oh, yeah. it five years ago oh, for the first time in my life. Got it. Yeah. Like, because I mean, I think everybody is entitled to a birth cert. Yeah. You know. You are. So. And, and any, any other information surrounding your birth at the time. What what was the reason? Did, did you find out the reason why your mum put you up for adoption? Yeah, because she wasn't married. Yeah. 
just greatest load of baloney that this tr- this country has thrown people into. Yeah. That she wasn't married and she couldn't eat me. She couldn't afford to keep me. Which so, was shocking, wasn't it? Absolutely yeah. shocking. I mean, this and wasn't a hundred years ago. This is this is I only in the sixties, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sixty-two. Yeah. And I'm going. Now, I was told never to look for my mother, you know, and yeah, things like that. But and when and when you what yeah, I, I so that was that was that the first time you found out when you were at your your communion and your woman said and the nun said to you this wonderful messenger of God turned around to you God. and said you were unwanted. Yeah. So of course, me being me. Marches home from school, you know. Yeah. And the first thing out of my mouth was, the nun told me I wasn't wanted. So they, uh, I had to be told then, and I was, what, age seven? Yeah. Seven. So it's kind of stuck with me, yeah. And th- that word, un- it unwanted. Make you feel very good about <laughs> no, <laughs> no, and look, you value yourself because you're a valuable right. human being in society. Yeah. But, but, but the word unwanted kind of stuck in your head, I'm probably sure. It is, and yeah. it's still with me, like, because. Yeah, I remember when I got my I, my bit of information, and they, I asked Tusta for any information they had on me, which wasn't very much. Uh, the, and and on the the, the, the first card, that, it had illegitimate. Ah, uh, I was illegitimate. Yeah, another horrible word. That mm. doesn't make you feel or, too good about yourself, does it? Like people were, I don't know. Like it's, I did find my mother. Yeah. Okay, and I how did, did you how did you did you meet her? Yeah. And how did you get on? Praise God, yeah. Yeah. But she died there Christmas from COVID, so. Okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that. And the worst thing about it was I couldn't even go to her funeral, so I had to watch it on my laptop, so. Okay. And did you find, yeah. out, who your, did you find out who your dad was? No. Did she do? He's dead as well, I know that much. Um, and my dad was a married man. Right? Oh, <laughs> oh, right, okay. So he was having an affair with He was having an affair with your mum, was he? Yeah. Oh, okay. And the man has died since. Now, it doesn't make any difference to me, but because I had a wonderful father, you know. See, so. here's the situation. If that happened nowadays, you'd have a single mum with a child, you know, with a secret father, so to speak. And the state yeah. and the state provides for people. You know what I mean? The state looks yeah, after yeah. single mums or whatever it is, yeah, provide yeah. them with housing yeah, and everything. It's totally right. Like, I mean, yeah, of course. Why do you keep your baby? Yeah. I I mean, I had two boys, and God forbid anybody look at them. <laughs> yeah. There would have been murder. Yeah. Because. And did you have any siblings that you didn't know about? Did you find out about yeah, siblings? Yeah, two siblings. A yeah. sister, a brother, nephews, nieces. A whole new family. A whole new family. And do you keep in touch with any of them, or do you, do you see any of them? Yeah, yeah. But, as I said, with the COVID thing now, yeah. couldn't travel to go to funerals. I know, that could be difficult. Which was sad, it, wasn't, it certainly wasn't, and it was mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. yeah. Well, sad. I, well, all I'd say to you, Mary, is you're very much wanted. And I'm sure, no, I'm sure, I'm sure your I, own family. I know my husband wants me. Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know my sons want me. You're very much wanted, and I, it must be a very thing, hard thing at seven years of age to be told that you're unwanted. And I don't know that. Well, I went through an awful thing after it, though. When I, I did know. find out, no, but you know, when I tell you about this story, I actually thought I had murdered someone at seven years of age, and this is why I was given away here. That you'd done something terribly wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, and I was terrified at seven years of age that, oh, someone, I killed someone. Someone didn't want me. 
And well, it, by the way, that nun that said that to you. She, oh, do, see do you, her. Yeah, do, is she no. still alive? Do you know anything about I her? I do fairly much because she was a bit of a cretin anyway back in the yeah. day. Yeah. You know, no time for them. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm no. sorry there's probably people out there do like them. And I, 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 oh, no. Look, some of, the, some of them were nice people, but a lot of them had too much power. Too much, way too much yeah. power. And for people who were supposed to be, as I said, messengers of God, they didn't have a lot of nice things to say, did they? No. No. Do I go to Mass? No. Mm-hmm. Point blank refuse. No. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Well, listen, I, I'm glad you have a lovely family now and I'm glad that people do want you and you are a very much yeah. wanted person, Mary. And it's been I know. Lo- lovely talking to you. Thanks for sharing your story with us. All Thank right. you very much, Niles. Thank you. Let me go to Louise. Louise, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Louise? Hi, hi how are you? Uh, Louise, um, you were adopted from Cunovan Hollis Street. Yes. Okay, okay. And when was that? In 1988. Okay, so you were the more the, the, the latter part of this history, or this dark history, I suppose. It didn't end until the 90s, but you were to the kind of latter, end, the, at the end of it, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And when did you find out you were adopted? I, my parents were quite open with it. Like, they didn't ever want us to feel that, like, we weren't wanted. That was always, we were always told, like, you know, you're very much wanted, and mm-hmm. they just didn't have the means or whatever to support us. Yeah. And we were always kind of kept in the loop with like yeah. I'd say I was maybe 13 14 before I kind of blocked it out until then yeah before I ever kind of got my head around it okay but um I never really had uh, I want to kind of find out anything behind it um I suppose I had a wonderful parents and wonderful yeah. upbringing so it, I kind of felt a little bit like I was kind of cheating on them yeah Slightly, but I know, um, and don't. By the way, I know exactly how you feel because I remember I when I was kind of reaching out and looking and doing a bit of investigation work. I didn't tell my adoptive mother, who is my mother, by the way. I didn't tell her because I felt like a traitor. Yeah, and that's so I didn't want to hurt her feelings or tell her. Now I did talk to her about it before she died, and you know she was kind of wished me the best on it, and she was delighted and all that kind of stuff. But in saying that, I did feel like a bit of a traitor, and it's a horrible feeling. I know that feeling. It is, yeah, no, because my brother um, doesn't want to know at all. Yeah, he's adopted as well, and he didn't speak to me for a week because he thought that I was being a traitor. And right. that I was going to go off with this new family, this and which wasn't wasn't the case at all. It was you just, just wanted to know, no just curiosity, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just pure curiosity. But he didn't; he just doesn't want to know at all. So, like, it was difficult in that respect. Do you do you think, by the way, here's here's because let's your brother said he doesn't want to know. He's moved on with his life. He's happy and he's grand, right? Okay, and he doesn't he doesn't have that curiosity or sense of curiosity that you have. Now, the new legislation, of course, would allow possibly his biological mother to find out where he is and who he is. Do you think people are entitled to that information? Let's say his his mother, his biological mother, is she entitled to know where he is? Is he doing all right? Is he okay? And how old yes, he is? Yes, I suppose in, like, where I'm kind of, I can get the information, like, um, I'm entitled to it. I suppose there is. It's the other way around, I suppose. They are. They wasn't their choice. They were in a bad situation. Like he, um, his mother and father were in a relationship, and then at the last minute, his father disappeared, and his 
and the but state exactly. didn't. Move. Yeah, she she had no money, yeah, and she had no choice, absolutely no choice. Which wouldn't be the case nowadays, by the way. You know, Louise, no. if you, if you got pregnant now out of wedlock, for example, the state has an obligation to look after you and provide for you and your child. By the way, the state had an obligation to do it then, but they didn't do it; they failed. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, in, and did you find out all the information you needed to find out, or do you think you're short of information? Uh, no, I found out quite a bit afterwards. I um, got in contact with Cunniff, and um, they were quite helpful. Now, they only give you a first name, basis, or whatever, when I, they gave me a pack of information. Okay. And I, um, they contacted my birth mother, who she lives in America now. Okay. They contacted her uh, to see if she would be in interested in like exchanging letters or whatever and she came back straight away and said that she was interested because she had uh, made contact when I was only 13 or 14 Okay. Uh, to say that she was open so when I um, made contact with Kunov it was considered a match. Okay. Because so, she had um, been reaching out looking for you so you came reaching yeah. out looking for her. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I we exchanged letters for a little while so kind of I got to know a little bit about her and then we kind of went online I suppose and we were friends on Facebook and that's kind of how I've got to know them that's how I keep in contact now I have met her okay four times okay but um like with COVID now it's nearly a couple of years since I've met her since yeah but, and do you have um, do you have siblings do you have other siblings yeah I have a brother and a sister now they're all like, 21 and 23, I think. They're young. And, and have you got in, Have you been in contact with them? or have you? Ever... Uh, yeah, I've met both of them. Okay. When they, they, she has her mother and her um, stepfather. They live in, still live in Ireland. See, the thing about it is for a lot of people is when you get this information about who your real mother is and who these new siblings are, there's some... Before, I suppose you romanticise about it a little bit beforehand. And But yeah. then when you, when you find out who they are sometimes... You can't force yourself to have a relationship with somebody. There might be just a curiosity to know who they are. And, you know, if you get on, you get on. And if you make friends with these people, you can. But they're essentially strangers. Which yeah. Is, which yeah. is sad that you, you'd been denied a relationship with them all your life. Yeah, yeah. It's true, though, because she is the spitting image of me. Right. Yeah, and as soon as I saw photos, like, it's so obvious that we're related. And what, really obvious. And, and the first time, the first time you met, what was that? What was that moment like when you actually met her for the first time? It was quite overwhelming. I, I'm not really an emotional person, and she wouldn't be either. But it was, it was strange. Like we stayed and we talked for three hours, maybe. Yeah. Because it just we had so much to talk about. Right. And did you go to America, or did she come over here? No, she was. He, she came here. Okay. And uh, we met first in, at the adoption agency. They do the first meeting there, and then afterwards it's up to us if uh, so you want we to continue want to organize. Yeah, yeah. And that, that and, and that was an emotional moment. I, I mean, there's always that thing too, <laughs> and I remember it from my first time as well. Do you give them a hug, or what do you do? I mean, did you know what to? Did it instinctively? Did you did you give her a big hug, and did she give you a big hug, or what? What, what was yeah, that moment like? Yeah. Was it, was it, it was, awkward? It no, it was like. It was like a reunion. Yeah. Like, I was 30. I was like, yeah, I was 30 at the time. Like, I just turned 30. And, like, it was a long time, but it was, I did feel like it was a reunion. Did you, did you feel the sense of, did you feel like a traitor then at that moment as well? Yeah, I still, I still hold that kind of thought in the back of my mind. Now, I, um, my, birth, my adopted mother and my birth mother haven't met since. Okay. 
my adoptive father has passed away, but um, we they have met since. So, and my mum, my my mum, my adoptive mother had met uh, my birth mother before I was adopted because that was one of the things that she wanted to meet the parents that okay. I was going to. Okay. So she had met her. So it wasn't like a blind meeting she knew but they, had, but they hadn't seen each other in 30 years but yeah yeah <laughs> so that was that was a, a, a an interesting meeting as well uh, so yeah. she, so basically you met her with her, with your mum's blessing essentially so that was grand yeah yeah you know, and, and for people who don't think, I mean look my mum who passed away about 7 or 8 years and my adoptive parents are both dead now but I mean she'll always be my mother you know yeah and the other oh, person well. is my biological mother but I mean she's not my mother I think I yeah. think it's mother by nurture not by nature, is it? It is. That's what I feel. I like I'd have a lot of personality traits from my adoptive mother. Yeah. Because I've picked them up. Like personality wise I would be quite like my biological mother, but you do like learn even to be a mother yourself. It's from your adoptive mother and not of from course. your biological mother. Yeah, yeah. It is nurture and not nature. But in saying that you probably picked up some personality traits as well, even uh, through your DNA. Uh, from yeah. from your birth mother, and I'm assuming your your looks and your hair and your height and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and you know, and things that you do. I remember when I met my sister for the first time, who uh, because my uh, biological mother had another baby, a mother and baby home at the time, and she lived in England, and she's more or less the same age. And I, I got to meet her, and we did a lot of things very similar. Like we both eat very fast. We both don't like food if it goes cold. We both sit at the same side of the table. Those kind of little silly things, you know what I mean? That yeah, yeah, and we. Somebody told me we sound a little bit alike. <laughs> she never stops talking. So we, we the, you do share a lot of traits as well, but people biologically as well. But look, I'm delighted it all worked out for you now. And hopefully you get to see her when COVID ends and you can, you can get over to see her. We're hoping to go to America and, visit and meet uh, everybody else over there. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. look, I wish you the best, Louise. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Thanks for sharing Thank with you. us today. Uh, a lot of people, by the way, in the same situation. Yes, the church had hanged their heads in shame to somebody else. I could spend two hours bringing people on the air to talk about their stories. And all I would say to Hall Martin, and I would also say to our Minister for Children, you need to get your act together. You really do. You need to get this information or this to Roderick O'Gorman. You need to get the legislation passed as quickly as possible because there are many people out there, not Louise, obviously, who was a little bit younger. And she was at the latter end, at the end of all this. But you, for those people who were adopted back in the 50s and the 60s, and for those parents out there, those biological mothers out there, many of them now probably in their 80s and 90s, um, who are close to the end of their lives, this legislation needs to come very, very quickly. So those people can get that information, and if they feel the need to hook up and to meet up with the people who were their mothers or their fathers, they have that information. Because if they don't, I hope every single one of them sues. you. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.